This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Accelerating Government with Act IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to the show. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has brought together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On today's episode, we'll be continuing our discussions with outstanding federal technology leaders who have recently received the ACT-IAC 2022 Executive Leadership Awards. On this episode, our guests are Laura Stanton, Melvin Brown, Jonathan Bennett, and Sudhavikaraswaran. Our first guest today is Melvin Brown, Deputy CIO at the Office of Personnel Management, a member of the American Council for Technology's Executive Committee. And most importantly for today, Melvin is the ACT-IAC Government Individual Contributor of the Year Award winner. Welcome to the show, Melvin, and congratulations. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start out by asking why, despite the very busy schedule that you maintain, you consistently make the time to give back to the community through the work of good government organizations. Why is that important? It's important to pay it forward, Dave. It's important, uh, one, because we all will have to eventually transition to the other side of of life in retirement. And so, you know, contributing back and volunteering and sharing your knowledge and sharing your lessons learned for the next generation helps to further the cause of modernization. Without that, I mean, all of our efforts would be fraught. You've accomplished a lot in your career. What led you to government service? And give us a quick highlight of where that journey has taken you over the years. It was kind of a happenstance that I entered into government service. I had too much fun partying in college and I ended up in the military. Uh, in 1984, you know, I joined the United States Marines and that was where I got exposed to what real public service looks like and, and what it means to, to give voice and to defend people who don't have a defense and to represent people that might be underrepresented. And so uh, that's where the journey began. And the transition um, from there led me to, you know, to be, become a contractor supporting um, government service with the Federal Aviation Administration. And then I was blessed enough to be picked up by the Federal Aviation Administration to do information technology work and um, has have been have been enjoying the trip these last little over 30 years now. It makes all of the nights worthwhile when you've created a policy or delivered on a solution that that changed the lives of, of the American people. And you can actually live long enough to see the results of that. So that's that's been the journey. And so um, there's still a lot more to go, but I, I'm happy that, you know, we're laying the foundation that can be built upon by the next generation of IT leaders. You've looked at life from many sides, from an active duty perspective as a government civil servant from industry. What's sort of like similar and different about those views? It's a great question. I, you know, we would always, you know, tease about the military, you know, guarding the world. And, you know, our local, when I was with DHS, you know, we kind of talked about guarding, guarding the nation. And so it's just, it really is about just the sacrifice of service and, you know, understanding that they all bring that level of, of commitment, the sacrifice uh, to a higher, a higher calling and, and a sacrifice to a larger community. You focusing on the, the bigger picture and not so much on yourself, uh, I think is what has resonated most. I, I think the thing that I, I appreciate uh, about the military is I would love to see that be, you know, a standard for everybody to at least get, you know, a couple of years of exposure to see what that's like to, you know, to put your life in, in somebody else's hand and for them to put their, 
their their life in your hands and and us learn to build that camaraderie of of protection that camaraderie of of looking out for each other uh looking out for those that you know that need us to look out for them i, I think that has been you know my biggest takeaway and from the industry side you know industry you know trying to find better ways to do government better and trying to bring more innovative solutions to government and trying to understand how government operates and how there can be more of a hybrid i think was the one thing i learned and then just government government as a whole it's it's hard i mean you you got to want to do government people don't understand that it's not as easy as it is in the private sector because we've got a, a whole lot of rules and a whole lot of limited resources uh that you just don't have on the private side and so just the, the constraints of of government and and it should be that way because you don't want your government to be changing every six months or every three months you do want some consistency so so i understand it um but but i'm also happy that you know it helps us to bring bring balance uh to underserved people across the u.s so that we we can all come up together you are smack dab in the center of so much activity as a technology leader at OPM. What are some of the things that you're currently working on and that OPM's working on in the technology business that you're excited about? The one thing that I am just ridiculously excited about is our move to the cloud and, and our work that we've, we've done around cloud financial operations and TBM. You know, one of the lessons that, that we learned from our previous cloud implementations is that cloud costs, if not managed, can get out of control. And so we were able to find an industry best, best practice around cloud financial operations and bring that to OPM. And so as we're starting now to um, look at migrating our on-premise applications to the cloud, we now have a financial framework that allows us the ability to track costs and treat cloud like a utility. And so I'm laughing because Dave, I feel like my I'm at work telling my kids to turn off all the lights. You know, we're running around, you know, every day going, hey, do you need that server on the weekend? You need to scale that down. Do you know how much it's costing you to, to Stand up that VM, you need to turn that down. Do we really need that that most expensive storage? Can this this cheaper storage do? And so we're having those kind of conversations now. And it's exciting because those kind of conversations are helping us maximize the value of cloud such that we're not paying for more than we need, but we have the capacity now for what we need when we need it. And so I'm ridiculously excited about that. And I'm looking forward to you know expanding that blueprint across government. I love your analogy about parents and the kids, because I do think oftentimes, you know, you get caught up in the important work that you're doing and you may not pay as much attention as we need to about things like business cases and return on investment. And what does it cost for what you're getting out of it? And if you're not focused on those kinds of things, you know, you'll you'll squander the scarce resources you have rather than focus on mission delivery. How do you feel like that message about thinking about things like the business case for what you're doing, you know, is being received? Do you see like a sort of a, the lights going on uh, it, it, it has been and so what's what's exciting is that what we've been able to do is to create just that very scenario of working with businesses and developers to be more cost conscious and so what we we call it the prius effect and so if you've ever owned a prius you know they, they've got that little gauge where you know when you put on the gas you could see how efficient you're being when you're driving and then if you exceed that then you know you, you dial it back a little bit and so that's what we're seeing in cloud, you know, we're providing the Prius effect. We're letting you see what your activities are costing you. And now you realize, well, you know, like like I tell my kids after they've moved out, hey, when I was paying for it, you you wanted that. What what is it now? Well, dad, I really don't, I don't really don't need that. And so the business is starting to look at, well, I really don't need that. So let's scale that back down to the level that I can afford. So it makes affordability 
of what we're doing look a whole lot different. Very good. It's that time of year. We're getting to the end of the year. You know, everybody wants to get out their magic eight balls or crystal balls. And but uh, but you are a federal technology leader in the midst of what's going on in the world. And I'm just wondering, as you look at the year ahead, what are going to be some of the technology issues that you think will be top of mind for federal agencies? Continue to support remote work. How do we leverage now not just the technology, but an aging workforce and you know, a a more diverse workforce going forward. And how do we create that pipeline for early career talent to come and take their chair as we begin to continue to modernize and move forward? And so how do we, how do we do that going forward? That's, that I think is the biggest challenge that's facing us. And then, you know, always security because our adversaries always get a vote in our operations and what we do from a security perspective. So I think workforce and security are going to be key. And then how do we bring down our operating costs? Um, you know, one of the things we've been focused in on is, you know, trying to leverage the, the whole power of remote and virtual work, you know, focusing on work being something you do, not a place you go. And, you know, looking at how do we access talent in lower cost areas uh, so that we bring down our, our salary costs. And so as we continue to, you know, access talent remotely across the U.S., helps us to bring down our, our salary costs. And it also provides us with a, a more diverse uh, set of skills and tools across the U.S. And so I'd say workforce and security uh, are going to be our focus uh, over the next few years. Excellent. We've got about 30 seconds left. You've been a huge believer in the power of mentoring the workforce. I wonder if you'd like to leave our audience of technology leaders from government and industry with a parting thought around leadership. I, I would tell you something I, I said earlier, it was something I, I talked about earlier, is Learn to take the stairs to the top of your career, not the elevator. Uh, The stairs give you the ability to build the muscles to think strategically, uh, to make critical decisions and learn how to be political savvy. You you just don't get that when you when you take the elevator. When you take the elevator, most of the time you end up in a job that keeps you up all night and you're stressed because you didn't pick up all the tools and things that you needed along the way. So I, I would tell you to take the stairs and not take the elevator. And then the last thought that I tell you is that don't put a ceiling on how high you can go in your career and don't let anybody else put a ceiling on you. Go as high as you can, as far as you can, so that those behind you know that you can. What a wonderful place to leave it. Melvin Brown is the Deputy Chief Information Officer at OPM and a role model for the power of service and sacrifice. Melvin, thank you so much for all the outstanding work that you're doing and for joining us today. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll be talking with Suda Ben Kabaswaran. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACDIAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACDIAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and on today's episode, we're talking with some of the recipients of the 2022 ACDIAC Executive Leadership Awards. On this segment, we're joined by Sudha Vikaraswaran, Vice President of Alpha Omega Integration LLC, a longtime ACT-IAC volunteer leader. And most importantly for today, Suda is the ACT-IAC Industry Individual Contributor of the Year Award winner. Welcome to the show, Suda, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And we're honored to have you. You've just done so much for the technology community. But well, let's start with, tell us a little bit about Alpha Omega Integration and your role there. For sure. So Alpha Omega is a woman-owned small business. 
We've been supporting the federal government for over 10 years. We're very honored to support the Department of Homeland Security, the USDA, and the Department of State among some of our prime uh, support areas. We support uh, digital transformation. We do agile technology modernization focused on cybersecurity implementations and improving customer experience across the board. I support the federal civilian growth and business development for Alpha Mega. Very good. What are some of the projects that you're currently working on that you're excited about? So currently we're trying to support uh, digital transformation to modernize the whole immigration experience with the Homeland Security Department uh, for USCIS. We're working on improving mission experience for the IRM at Department of State. And for the USDA, we are modernizing a whole slew of legacy applications so that uh, the citizens can benefit from newer technologies and get a better customer experience overall. Those are some of the key, I guess, digital transformations that we're doing. But given that cybersecurity is so front and center every day, all the time, with all the work that we do now online, especially uh, given that we are trying to make everything digital, uh, cybersecurity is a core focus area where we're supporting uh, TSA, the Coast Guard, and FEMA with some of our cybersecurity implementations. Digital transformation and and this, you know, enhancing customer experience are just so important. They're just topics that are top of mind in every episode we seem to do of this show. I'm wondering if, you know, in, in doing that kind of work, what's some of the things that you're seeing that you're excited about? What are what are some of the places where progress is being made? What's some advice that you have for folks that are trying to improve the customer experience and and move to a more seamless digital experience for their agencies? So like you rightly said, digital transformation is the buzzword, right? But COVID is something that made sure that we accelerated our process there. Every day as a taxpayer and a user of some of these services, I always see how we can improve the services to the citizens that use the government services. So that informs how we enable some of these modernization to happen across the, uh, the digital world, right? So it's not just making sure something is available online. It is, is it available on the phone? Is it available in areas where there's no broadband access? So making sure it's contextual and applicable to the users that need these services or our agents in the field that are way out there and they need to uh, may, uh, deliver a report. So making sure that those are easy and affordable and most importantly, accessible. We talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, but making sure these applications are actually usable by our agents and field operators on the field is very important. So that's something in in terms of digital transformation that's very applicable today. Cybersecurity is something that everybody talks about, but it is a marathon, not a sprint. Right. So we have to make sure we shut all the doors. We, uh, we heard Melvin in the previous segment talk about uh, making sure he's telling everybody to switch off the lights. Similarly, we want to make sure we lock all the doors, shut all the windows, make sure that we are doing the basics first as we then go on to then maybe applying a home alarm system to make sure the whole perimeter is secure and making sure our work and the important uh, applications that everybody uses are secure. So, again, I'm paraphrasing a lot of what uh, our engineers and our top customer service experience folks do, 
But this is something to keep in mind. It's the basics. Think about the basics. Make sure you get those right. And that way you have your transformation happening that's actually usable, uh, independent, and actually contextual to the actual different users that we have. You mentioned the pandemic, and I think that, you know, for especially the technology community, the last few years have just provided such a shift and this focus on issues around resiliency and even like relevancy, the relevancy of the way we used to do things, the way relevancy of certain jobs, relevancy even of some organizations. And I'm just wondering, as as you've gone through the last couple of years doing the kind of work that you're doing, what are some lessons learned from the pandemic that you'd like to share? So one of the lessons learned ties very closely to some of the leadership lessons I've learned as well. Making sure you understand that everybody who comes to to work every day has so much going on in their lives, right? Our lives and our work lives intersected so closely. It was always there, but it became so much more integrated during the pandemic. So making sure that we were present and understood everything that people brought to the table along with all the efficiencies that they brought to making sure our applications were working, our cloud was being monitored, our cybersecurity was being more robust and more resilient was something that I learned throughout the pandemic. So making sure that we kept empathy upfront and all the time in mind as we both deployed the solutions and made sure we took care of the people that were deploying the solutions was one of the key things I took away from the pandemic. And then making sure we learned how to adapt to our new normal. It's never going to be the same again. So what does that mean now for whether it's a technology we are implementing or what choice of solution we implement is also key because what worked three years ago is not certainly something that's going to work today. Or maybe it will work, but with a few tweaks. So what are those specific tweaks that we need to make? Whether it is making sure the application is available in an offline scenario. Maybe it's uh, getting it to the last mile. There are there are, are agencies and field operators in the, last, in, the, in the areas where there potentially is no broadband. So expecting everybody to be on camera is not something that's good. But knowing that they are still wanting to make a difference every day is something I learned during the pandemic. I'd like to ask you the same question I asked Melvin in in the first segment of the show. Why do you think that busy executives like yourself should make the time to give back to the community through the work of good government organizations? It is the, the, the responsibility that I feel uh, that I've learned so much from being part of this community act act, I've learned so much being involved in the various programs that there's a communities of interest, whether it's participating in the conferences, it's giving back because I learn every day by giving back. And I think uh, Melvin talked about it in a different angle by saying paid forward. I want to give back so that I can also learn from all these leaders such as Melvin and Laura and Jonathan that I've learned with so long I want to give back to the community. So that's something that pushes me every day, uh, the, uh, the the need to give back. Uh, that's why I volunteer. You do give so much. And uh, and we've been at ACT I have been the great beneficiary of some of that volunteerism. One area where you have made significant contributions is in the area of leadership development. Why do you think it's important for us to embrace continuous learning, particularly nowadays in the world we find ourselves in? And, and give us some thoughts around professional development. Definitely. So I have been uh, myself a recipient of 
uh, the ACT Act leadership programs and servant leadership is one that comes right to top of mind for me. Um, I want to lead with empathy. I want to lead with making sure that there's a voice that's being heard for folks uh, that see me as a leader. They see themselves in uh, how I represent uh, my views and also making sure that that's tied with all the contextual needs of new leaders. I also learn from these emerging leaders, right? Because they have their own perspectives to bring to mind. So every day I learn and grow from everybody. So I am uh, very fortunate and honored that I was part of the leadership program in 2018. I'm honored that I was able to be a leader for these new emerging leaders and learn and grow every day with them and from them. I've been uh, honored to work with Jonathan since the beginning of my career, I've learned so much from him with Laura for the past few years that I've been involved in. So I get to see leaders and learn their styles and learn how I can improve every day and give back to the community. Suda Vikraswaran is the vice president at Alpha Omega Integration LLC and a fabulous example of servant leadership at work. Suda, thank you so much for your leadership and for joining us today. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by the two people that Suda was just talking about, Laura Stanton and Jonathan Bennett. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wendergren, and on today's episode, we're talking with some of the recipients of the 2022 ACT-IAC Executive Leadership Awards. On this segment, we're joined by Laura Stanton, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology Category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. She is also a member of the American Council for Technology's Executive Committee and was the government chair for ACT-IAC's 2022 Imagination ELC Conference. She is also one of the two recipients of the 2022 ACT-IAC Leadership Award. Welcome back to the show, Laura, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Dave, and I am thrilled to be back with you. Excellent. And we are also joined by Jonathan Bennett, Technical Director, Digital Government Solutions at Adobe, a member of the Industry Advisory Council's Executive Committee, former government leader, former ELC chair, and the other recipient of the 2022 ACT-IAC Leadership Award. Welcome to the show, Jonathan, and congratulations. Thank you, Dave. Really appreciate it. It's great to be here, especially with my good friend, Laura Stanton. <laughs> Very good. And I'm delighted to be here with both of you. Laura, we're going to start with you. You're just coming off of a tremendously successful Imagination ELC conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Congratulations on a great conference. As the government chair of the conference, what were some of the things about the conference that you're most proud of and excited about? Dave, what struck me about ELC this year was both the energy and the diversity that I saw. And I think that the two fed on each other. The energy was not only from people coming together, but it was also from the new voices that we heard because we had a diverse set of speakers, women, people of color, agencies, perspectives. And these new voices contributed to the discussions on technology and mission in a way that just resonated, I think, with the, with the audiences and generated an just incredible conversation and discussion. 
And I was excited to see from to hear from all of the new voices as well as the more experienced members of the community and how those worked into a continuum. It really comes down to that federal technology needs to work for everyone. So having this full set of voices, perspectives from across the board involved in the conversations that we're having is just really critical to reflect the diversity of the country. It was wonderfully diverse set of speakers, a great agenda, and I'll say record-breaking attendance for our Hershey venue. And so there was definitely a lot of energy and it has carried on. So I'm delighted that you get to sort of ride that wave of success for a little while now. Jonathan, you've been a past ELC industry chair. And uh, I'm wondering what were some of the things about this year's conference that you particularly enjoyed? Well, both Laura and Kendall did a great job. And of course, the plenary and breakout sessions were amazing. Suda Venkateshwaran and Steve Krauss, uh, vice chairs leading those. But one of the highlights for me happened before the official conference kicked off, and that was the ELC Chairs Bike Ride, organized by past chairs Tim Smith and myself. This year, we offered both a long course and a short course option to appeal to riders of all abilities. And we even ensured that those who were not interested in riding bikes, but wanted to network with ELC Chairs past and present, could meet us at the restaurant along the course for refreshments. We had a really large turnout. They included both 2022 chairs, Laura Stanton and Kendra Holbrook, as well as immediate chair, uh, past chair, Maria Rope, who, along with Laura, kicked butt on a 20-mile course with plenty of steep hills through Hershey. It was truly a great experience for all. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. The ACT-IAC Leadership Awards are given out by the ACT president and the IAC chair to individuals who exhibit outstanding leadership skills and demonstrate a strong commitment to the spirit of volunteerism. Let's start our discussion on the leadership side and look at your personal journeys. Laura, what led you to government service? And give us some highlights of where that journey has taken you. So I am celebrating my quarter century with GSA this year, Dave. Just really excited to have started here as an intern and truly stayed over the years. And GSA just I had incredible opportunities and had a chance to deepen my experience in both acquisition and technology and continue to learn around the way, along the way. I will say that if you had asked me 25 years ago, would I still be here? I think I probably would have just blinked at you a few times. But the reality is, over that time, I've become so deeply appreciative of being in a role where I can give back to the country and work with an amazing community. And throughout my career, I've really tried to stay curious and have ongoing learning. So even though I've been at GSA that entire time, I feel that, that the opportunities to work across the government, to work with industry, and to just have exposure in so, to so many different stakeholders and the missions of government have really kept it as a new experience every time. And I personally, as I'm going through my career, I'm always looking for opportunities where I'm going to be challenged and focus. And I always focus when I think about what I'm looking at, what is that opportunity and how? what is the impact that I can make when I, when I move to the next opportunity? And I've always managed to find it at, at GSA and I'm just thrilled that, that I'm able to say that I'm celebrating a quarter century. Congratulations on that quarter century. It's been full of a lot of wonderful accomplishments. Jonathan, let's turn to you. Tell us a little bit about your career journey through government and industry. Well, Dave, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have 
had a balanced career working in both industry and government, all the while focused on improving government service delivery. That's the constant. I spent the first 10 years of my career supporting government from industry. And that's where I had the incredible opportunity to participate in the inaugural 2005 ACT Voyages program and first met my good friend to this day, Laura Stanton. After a few opportunities to work side by side with my government customers on site managing delivery, I knew that I wanted to become a civil servant myself. And in 2008, after a couple of years of working through the government hiring process, which back then desperately needed to be improved, maybe still a day, uh, I was given the opportunity to lead the IT project management office of the U.S. Patent Trademark Office. What an honor. And after redesigning and launching a new SDLC and greatly improving project and program delivery success metrics, I went to USDA Food and Nutrition Service, a small agency uh, within USDA, to be the IT program manager for the SNAP program, formerly Food Stamp program. There, I had an opportunity to develop a fraud detection system, the largest retail locator mapping application of its kind, and several other really cool systems. Fast forward a number of years and some incredible opportunities that resulted from my participation in the USDA SES Canada Development Program. I was asked to serve as a department level as the chief enterprise architect, where I had a great team and a really positive experience making EA real and focused on business capabilities and measurable uh, results. After 10 years of serving in government, five years ago, I decided to come back and work in industry for Adobe, a global software company, and really enjoyed the opportunity to improve mission delivery for government organizations at every level, federal, state, local, in the United States, and even around the world. I absolutely love my job, my company, and my colleagues, but someday I do want to come back and serve in government again. Can I add in something? Because Jonathan highlighted the importance of the Voyagers program and I do want to talk about that as sort of a pivotal moment. There are, I think, um, at least for me, I can I can identify a couple of pivotal moments in my career. And having that exposure to outside of government, to the industry counterparts in the Voyagers program, really helped me sort of meet friends and colleagues who I've had over the since 2005 and since we completed that program. Jonathan being one of them, and also just really made me sort of realize the impact and the scope of the work that we do across the government. So it was very much of a, both a leadership training program, but also very much of a horizon broadening program for me. And I will say that that there are, that I am still close with a number of people from, from that class, even though it's been, we're coming up on our 20 year anniversary very, very quickly. I appreciate your saying that. I feel like it's so important to get out of the bubble of our own experience and these programs that allow you to walk in somebody else's shoes are just really valuable. Jonathan, since we're talking about a leadership award, I wonder if you, in a minute or two that we have left in this segment, want to offer our audience some leadership lessons that you've learned over your career. Absolutely. So it's really simple. Take care of your people, first and foremost. Second is that leadership's not a popularity contest. To lead is to live dangerously because real leadership, right? The kind that services conflict, challenges, long-held beliefs and demands, new ways of doing things causes pain for those who are invested in the status quo. That's a reality. So great leaders willing to make difficult decisions without delay, do what's necessary and right with high integrity, regardless if it's popular or not. 
I think those are great pieces of advice, and it's a place where we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Laura Stanton, the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology Category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, and Jonathan Bennett, Technical Director at Digital Government Solutions at Adobe. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by AgDiac on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACDIAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wendergren, and we're talking with ACDIAC 2022 Leadership Award winners, Laura Stanton, the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, and Jonathan Bennett, Technical Director, Digital Government Solutions at Adobe. As we were going to break, Jonathan was offering us some leadership lessons learned for our audience in honor of the leadership awards that you've both been recognized with. So, Laura, let's give you a shot. What are some leadership lessons that you've learned over the years? There are a few of them that I wanted to share. The first is really listening to others, hearing what they're saying and what they're not saying, and connecting the dots. I realize that I'm often in the position where I'm listening to two sides of a story and realizing that there's not actually conflict. It's that they aren't listening to one another or they're not understanding one another. And so I I feel like I spend a lot of this time in translation, sort of helping connect the dots for others and make them realize that their priorities, their principles are, are aligned. And also listening with compassion because you don't know what someone else is experiencing and you you want to give someone the benefit of the doubt. I would also say connecting the dots and giving people context for the work we're doing. Let me give you an example of this. When we're thinking about letting us helping a small disadvantaged business navigate the federal IT market and at help helping them understand how to connect to agencies and how to how to do business development. Um, that is those companies are successful. It means that those companies are building wealth and that those agencies have access perhaps to, to a supplier who they might not have had before. And that is so much greater than just thinking about it in terms of awarding a contract or a modification. And so helping connect the dots for people is just really critical to putting that context of work. And then also remembering that you learn from every experience, be it good or bad. When thinking about what you can take away from it and apply it going forward, um, as, as much as, as hard as difficult experiences are, I know that I've learned a lot from them and that I've able to apl- be better in the future as a result of having gone through that. It's sometimes really hard <laughs> to remember that when I'm in the moment, um, but it, in the long, when I take the long view, it really pays off. And then finally, diversity of opinion. I don't want people who just validate my, what I'm saying. I'm looking for someone who will offer a different perspective and let me know if I don't have the right data or I'm making a bad decision. And sometimes um, there, there, it may be that I don't know everything. Other times it may be that the, that whomever is talking to me doesn't necessarily have the context or all of the, all of the data that they need and it helps and it, but it generates a conversation and it keeps, and it keeps you moving forward as long as you're talking. 
Yeah, wonderful. As you as you both noted, leadership is all about people. So I'm wondering what advice you would offer our audience on the transition that leaders have to inevitably go through as they rise through the ranks from positions initially in their careers where their technical and analytical skills are their most valuable attributes to later roles where leadership is all about people and strategy. And so while we're talking with you, we'll start with you, Laura, and then we'll follow up with Jonathan about navigating that transition to a different set of priorities and use of your time. So I think a big part of it is, especially as we're talking to your point, Dave, it's about people. And so you can't be the one doing it. As a leader, you, that, and that is such a hard transition to make, especially when you're an expert, to say that, you know, I'm going to stop, I'm going, I'm going to watch someone else, or I'm going to help someone else do it, and learning to give up that control. But the reality is, is that if you learn to be a good leader, you can have a, so much of a greater impact by empowering others and helping them understand to do things and accomplish so much more than you could as an individual. And it really is making sure that you're not trying to do, you as one person cannot do the work of a five or 10 person team. And so it's, it's really accepting that and then learning the skills that you need to be able to communicate, to be able to, to really relate and motivate and and generate results with a team. You, you you can't do it all yourself. I mean, there's so many cliches about that about teaching people to fish, but but it's just something that you know. Despite the fact that we've heard it before, you have to keep foot stomping it because you will collapse under the weight of your micromanagement of things. And you know, and so making that shift is just super important. Thank you for sharing that, Jonathan. How about you? What's some advice that you'd like to offer about this idea about transitioning from, you know, being a subject matter expert to being a leader of people and visionary? Well, now you know why uh, Laura's in the position she's in and, and has had the opportunities to lead that she has. because She's so darn smart. Um, it just I love it. As, as Laura mentioned, it's all about the people, right? The people we serve, the people we lead. And at the end of the day, a leader's number one job is to deliver outcomes and results while taking care of their team both personally and professionally. And that means ensuring they're developing professionally and have ample opportunities to take risks in a safe environment and ultimately shine. I mean, that's why I'm such a big fan of the ACT-IAC professional development programs, GLOW, Associates, Voyagers, and Partners, is it's just such a great opportunity to invest in people and do so with industry and government coming together in a safe environment to build that trusted collaborative network um, that will not only benefit them in their current position, but throughout their entire career and learn. And uh, like, as Laura said, pivot, you know, see things from different perspectives. You know, it reminds me of an African proverb. We probably, most of it has heard, but if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. Very good. You know, leadership is particularly challenging during times of rapid change and uncertainty, which I think sort of spells out the state of the world that we find ourselves in. And, uh, you know, recently we had leading change icon, John Cotter on the show, and and we had him talking about uh, his new book, Change, and the challenges of activating the Thrive Channel of our brain to engage our creativity and innovation when we're faced with a world of uncertainty and rapid change that overheats the survived mechanism of our brain that's much better suited for flight or fight decisions from back at 10, 
20,000 years ago when we were running around trying to escape wild animals, you know, and, and it's not really a good way to unleash creativity. And so the finding the space to, to think about innovation when you're in the midst of the tyranny of the inbox is, is a challenge for everyone. And I wonder, Laura, we'll start with you. What's an idea that you'd like to share with the audience of government and industry technology leaders about successfully embracing change during times of rampant uncertainty? I, that's, that's a great question. And staying focused on your foundational principles and really sharing those across your organization and with your stakeholders and what the goals are for your organization. These can become the North Stars in the times of change. And when the world around you is shifting, they give you, they, they help you remember from the day to day where you want to be in the long term. Because it's so, I mean, you talked about the tyranny of the inbox. And it's so easy to get sucked into the day-to-day, uh, the day-to-day activities. But if you have those North Stars, then you also can continue to move towards those. But if you don't have them, you don't know quite where you're going. And it's and it's very easy to lose time. And so very much staying focused on those North Stars, and also look for stakeholders and resources that can help you navigate that uncertainty. I'm going to go back to the theme we just talked about on leadership that Jonathan talked about and the African proverb, you can't do this alone. And that communication and transparency of these North Stars share is is so critical to sharing what you can with your organization on your vision and principles and bringing others along with you because they need those touch points as well during times of change. Jonathan, we're going to give you the last word. We have about a minute left. What's what's an idea that you'd like to share about embracing change during times of uncertainty? I love what Laura said about focusing on your North Star. I mean, that's sage advice. You know, never forget who you are or the organization or where you're coming from. But, you know, also, you know what they say about change? The only thing constant is change. So I'd say my perspective is really um, a, a little bit more kind of tongue in cheek that the status quo is boring. Change is inevitable. So lean in, buckle up and utilize the opportunity to make a positive difference. I love it. The status quo is boring. Lean in. What a wonderful way to end this episode. Laura Stanton is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology Category at GSA. Jonathan Bennett is the Technical Director for Digital Government Solutions at Adobe. Both of them are outstanding leaders, and both of them are recipients of the 2022 ACT-IAC Leadership Award. Thank you both for your leadership, for your engagement in the community, your commitment to the market, and for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about ACT Dyak's Executive Leadership Awards, check out the Federal News Network website or go to our website, www.actiac.org. Our guests today are all outstanding examples of how great leaders can accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-DIAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
with one of the best savings rates in America. Banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.